Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. I want to talk to you guys. I'm going to teach on this uh, forgiveness. And uh, this is something, sometimes subjects are so simple, but that's where God has it. It's like normally like the sweetest spot is the most simple places in our life that we've overlooked. And I think the devil would have us to complicate things and get us thinking that there's no path forward when usually it's the most simple things um, that actually get us to places of freedom. And if we really want to be free, we've got to be willing to maybe look at some things that we don't want to look at. And, uh, but it's just part of it. Uh, but once you face up to those things, it's really not that big a deal. It's really not that big a deal. And so Jesus tells us this parable. We're going to be looking at Matthew 18. And he tells this parable, and, it, and it's kind of dovetailed with a, a preceding text where Peter's kind of trying to, uh, you ever thought you had the answer and you would throw it out to the Lord? Only to find out how wrong you were about uh, what the answer was. And that's kind of Peter. Peter's kind of like the spokesman for the disciples. He's always throwing out an answer. Uh, And typically he's wrong. Sometimes he's right, though. But typically he's wrong. And and what I've learned is, is if the Lord ever asks me a question, don't answer it. (laughs) Say this. Lord, would you tell me what the answer is? Because I've found that if you answer it, um, it's always going to be lacking to the thing and the truth that he's actually trying to bring you into. So if he ever asks you a question, say, you alone know, Lord. Show me. And you can cut a lot of process out by just letting him tell you what he's trying to get to you. But Peter is kind of the the zealous kind of guy to have the answer. You ever know that kid in class that didn't matter what the question was, his hand, ooh, 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 And you're like, shut up. We're trying to learn. Quit flexing in here like you're smart or something. We're sick of you, man. And so Peter's that guy, ooh, 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 And Jesus is like, Peter. And uh, so Jesus is trying to get the disciples to a place to where they can embrace these teachings in the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus normally when he tells a parable, he says, uh, the kingdom of God is like. And he tells this story. So he's trying to bring them not into a new truth, although that's great. He's trying to make them into a new citizen of a new kingdom. He's actually trying to get them to become something different where they might live different according to a different set of rules and and regulations. What he's really trying to get them to do is to change this thing in their life that whether known or unbeknownst to them is the king of their life. And he's trying to get them to come under his kingship to begin to live a different way and be under the authority of Jesus. And so all these parables are aimed at what's it like to be a citizen in the kingdom of God. They say, I want to know what heaven's like. Well, if you read the parables, it's training ground 
so that we might become citizens of heaven, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So here's what's kind of going on here. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother who sins against me? As many as seven times. Here's Jesus. You notice he asks the question and answers it. Hey, Jesus, how many times we got to forgive? Seven? It's like not even letting Jesus get a word in here. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, not seven times I tell you, but 77 times. So he suddenly raised the bar, raised the ceiling in Peter's life and what he thought was possible. Peter had a question about forgiveness and thought he was really hitting it out of the park. Because seven is the number of completion. He's probably thinking, oh, wow. And the rabbis taught in this time period, they taught that up to three times was sufficient. This was the teaching. How many times do I forgive? So this was a question that was rolling around in that culture. They said three times. The rabbis had settled. Three times is a sufficient amount of time. Peter says seven and probably thinks, man, I just knocked that out of the park. I just, the rabbi is going to be so impressed with this answer. And Jesus says, no, 77. Some translations, 70 times 7. can go either way. So it could be 490 or it could be 77. The point is, is that there's no number on the amount of times that we are to forgive those who wrong us. So this number, 490, I think is is really sufficient because there was a Hebrew practice at this time uh, called gematria. And they would take the Hebrew alphabet and every letter in the Hebrew alphabet had a um, a grammatical value, had a number. So it's like, you ever done the secret decoder things? Where like A is 1, B is 2, C is 3. And then you write it out in numbers and then somebody has to decode it and find that so there was like kind of this thing with Hebrew language where they would hide things um, in numerical values and use numerical values for words and words for numerical values Um, Bethlehem house of bread Bethlehem comes up to 490 is the numerical value so when Jesus says 490 they could go to Bethlehem oh where was he born Oh, the house of bread. Okay, this is forgiveness. The word for completeness and wholeness is tamim. Guess what its numerical value is? 490. So Jesus is pointing them to the path of completeness and wholeness and the place where forgiveness is going to come, which is the place where he was born, and that was Bethlehem. So when Jesus is using these numbers, it's not just happenstance. Everything is pointing to a deeper reality that would let them know, if you want to be complete, here is a path for forgiveness. Forgiveness. So Jesus makes a really big deal about this, and he begins to unroll this story, and he begins to tell this story after Peter 
answers the question, and then he takes them up to, you know, 490. Um, he begins to tell this parable of what this forgiveness would look like. Verse 23, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. As he begins settling his accounts, a man who owned 10,000 talents was brought to him. Okay, there's something you need to know here. 10,000 was like the highest, 10,000 talents was the highest number in the Greek language. So the author here is using like what kids would say, like gazillion or like, you know, like this. This is to create an astronomical number that this class of people wouldn't even have been able to even, to even think or ascertain. Matter of fact, it would have been impossible to enter into this kind of a debt for that time. The average salary for a king, uh, like King Herod, it says in Josephus' writings that his largest yearly salary was 200 talents. So Jesus is talking 10,000 talents. So this would have been more than what most kings would have even made in an entire lifetime, much less a debt that a, a slave could have accrued. So he's creating this hyperbole of these astronomical numbers to get us to see like oh my goodness this is this is crazy so like 10,000 talents would have been like 60 million or 100 million depending on uh, the time period we'll just go with the bigger number just to kind of round it out and make it make sense 100 million denarii which a denarii was a day's wage pay, paid to a working class person so 100 million denarii, 100 million denarii. So that would mean 100 million days. So let's say somebody lived to be 70 years old. 365 days times 70, we'll say right at 25,000. So if somebody was to live up to be 70, which the average life expectancy was really about the 30s at this time. So we're really pushing it. So if 70 was the average life expectancy, it would be 25,000 denarii is what they would make in a lifetime. And that's with no days off. So it would take 100 million divided by 25,000 is 4,000. It would take 4,000 lifetimes for this guy to pay off this debt. Are you seeing how this number is like, what in the world is Jesus trying to get through to us here? Imagine you had to work 4,000 lifetimes every single day to pay back this debt. So this is the kind of debt that this guy has accrued. It's an impossible debt. Nobody could ever even come close to this. Now watch this in verse 25. Because he was not able to repay it, the Lord ordered him to be sold along with his wife, children, and whatever else he possessed for the repayment to be made. Now, if he was going to be sold and his family was going to be sold and all this, and by the way, in the Jewish culture, this was considered abhorrent. He's using Gentile kingship because Gentiles would sell people. This would have been, been a no-no. Uh, for that Jewish culture. So he, he really kind of pours it on even thick. What the slave would have been sold for would have been about 500 to $2,000 would have been of what each one was worth. 
So let's say they were all 500. He would be at maybe 2,000 denarii. 2,000 denarii. He owes 100 million, 100 million denarii. Selling everybody would get to 2,000 denarii. But at this point, the point is not payment, it's anger. <laughs> it's like, all right, pal, you're in big trouble. We're just going to sell everything. Now watch what he does. Verse 26. Then the slave threw himself to the ground before him, saying, Be patient with me, and I will repay you everything. Now could he ever repay this guy? <laughs> So he's appealing to the kindness of a king because the debt is too high. There's no way he could pay it back anyway. So really what he's appealing to is not getting even with this king. What he is appealing to is the off chance that this king might have enough mercy to forgive him. And at the end of the day, that is all you have. You could never pay back the amount of blood that was shed from Jesus on the cross to pay him back for your sins. All you have is the kindness of a king that looked down on you and says, I love them, I created them, I'm for them, and I'm willing to pay whatever it takes to get them, dirt and all. So as astronomical as this number is, how much... Is the blood of Jesus worth? But that was your price. That's what he paid to redeem you. Could you put a price on the blood of Jesus? So why are you looking to others to tell you your value and how much you're worth? You can't find it there. That you look for how much was paid to redeem you. And that's how you know how much you're worth. But that can only come from the king. That can only come from the king. So he begs him, be patient with me and I will repay you everything. Now watch this, verse 27. The Lord had compassion on that slave and released him and forgave him the debt. I'm sorry, but if you owe somebody 10,000 talents or $100 million, they say, if you can't pay me, I'm going to take it out on your hide. Come on. Some of you got beat up for $300. Let's just be honest. Josh, you said, help me here, man. Some of you got beat up for a lot less. I'm just telling you. 30, but Casey said 30. Who, who go 20? Who got beat up for 20? <laughs> 10, give me 10, 10, 10, 15, 15, 15, 15, 10 and a quarter, 10 and a quarter, 5, Karen got beat up for a dollar. Okay, Karen wins. Karen was abused for a dollar. So the Lord had compassion on this person who was in a grave amount of debt. Now watch what he does. 
He skips the streets with gratitude, singing the praises of the king, and tells everyone, come, I've met a man who will forgive you of all your sins. No, he's, after he went out, that same slave found one of his fellow slaves who owned him 10 silver coins. So he grabbed him by the throat. <laughs> hey, this is how you collected back then, okay, you know? You... And he started to choke him, cutting off his air passage, saying, pay back what you owe me. So he got forgiven 4,000 lifetimes of debt. And this guy owes him less than half a year's wage. And he's coming to collect. You see how the Lord is like, it's how comedians do, right? They over embellish something and it makes you laugh because it's so true. But yet it puts this kind of, Jesus is doing a stand-up routine right here. He's talking numbers that these people are like, huh? This is bizarre. They're probably la they're hearing this story laughing. But then when they get to this part, they go, what? That's how it ends? That this person gets forgiven 4,000 lifetimes and he can't forgive the guy for less than half a year? This would have been the point that they would have stopped laughing and begin to self-reflect and go, oh, I think I get who the king is. And I think I get who the servant is. That Jesus would drop their guards with humor and then slide in the truth. Why do y'all think I make y'all laugh? I don't care about y'all giggling. I don't need that. I'm hoping you can insert the truth into a heart where the walls have been dropped. I don't need the ego boost of laughter. But what I do need you to do is get a hold of the truth of the gospel. This is what Jesus pointing out, verse 28, after he went out, that same slave went and found one of his fellow slaves, owed him a hundred coins, grabbed him by the throat, started to choke him, saying, pay me back what you owe. Verse 29, then his fellow slave threw himself down and begged for him. Be patient with me and I will repay you. Does this, does this, make, does this sound familiar? But he refused. Instead, he went out and threw him in prison until he repaid the debt. Now, I don't know about you, but you can't make no money in prison. Anybody, anybody put some money on some books that know what we're talking about? Maybe work, but this, this is antiquity. This ain't now. This is antiquity. There wasn't no making no money. So how are you going to make money back then? Nope. That's when you give up and quit trying to answer and you say, tell us, man, because you've studied this out. Okay, here it goes. You ready? You had to get family and friends and have a good enough relationship where they would bring money. And that's how you had to pay your debt back. 
So the only way you could get out is the relationships that you had made previous. So the only way to get free was how you treated others in the community. The only way you got free was how you had a relationship strong enough where somebody would go, I got you. I got you. So if he hadn't forgave, how would he get money? So he was taking money from a guy who had lived in a good enough uh, way to where he was able to get money from him because his family and friends believed in him enough to give him some money. So he was not taking his money. He was taking the money of other people. So it gets really kind of messed up now. Guy gets forgiven 4,000 lifetimes. And he's in it for this guy for about a, less than a third of a year. He says he's not getting out till every penny is paid. And he can't even pay it. Other people's going to have to pay it. So look what happens here. Verse 30, he refused and said he went out through him in prison until he paid the debt. 31, when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were very upset and went and told their Lord everything that had taken place. Then his Lord called the first slave and said to him, evil slave, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not have shown mercy to your fellow slave just as I showed it to you. And in anger his Lord turned him over to the prison guards get this, to torture him until he had paid all he owed. How much did he owe? 4,000 lifetimes sounds like an oh guys are getting it. it back. How long? 4,000 years. See, what happens is when we don't see the death that we owe and the price that we've been redeemed in, we don't know our own value, so we begin to try to take our value from other people, and we begin to take from others so that we feel more valuable. We begin to exact justice on other people because we're so unhappy with ourselves, and we're not secure in our own value because we don't understand the blood of Jesus has set us free and paid for us. We don't understand that we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. We don't understand that God loves us and that he's for us. And so we don't operate within the identity of a child of God or a child of the King. We operate within the identity of one that's out looking for justice, blind to the fact that if anybody deserves justice, it's us. Well, they say justice is is 
because it only cares about exacting an amount from somebody to make somebody else feel better. So I wonder what if Jesus did that? So here was this man having to live out an eternal sentence because he couldn't let go of a temporary hurt or pain. Verse 35, Jesus solidifies it and says, So also my heavenly Father will do to you if each of you does not forgive your brother from your heart. So the Lord's path to wholeness and freedom, forgiveness. Because here's what's, here's what forgiveness, when we withhold forgiveness, we begin to get angry, and then if we remain in the anger, we begin to get bitter. And then when we get bitter, we get poisoned. And then our whole life, instead of being free, seeking God's will for our life, our whole life is trying to exact justice on everybody else so that they know how pitiful we feel about ourselves. And it rarely gets taken out on the person who did the hurting. It usually gets taken out on the innocent ones that are around trying to help. like I'm going to project on everybody how oh, much I hate myself that's why the Bible says be angry and the anger is not the problem it's your reaction that's the issue the Lord would say how do you process that anger Jesus would say Think about what they did to me. Because what happened to him was way worse than what happened to you. And they say, man, what a lot of bad things happen to good people. I said, that only happened one time. That's Jesus, by the way. Some of y'all are like, huh? Happened to Jesus. <laughs> the one good person that's ever lived, right? So that the Lord would meet us in a place of woundedness. Now, there will be a day that God's going to set it all right. But it ain't going to be by you. Treating everybody like dirt. It's going to be by a gracious king who's given everybody a lot of chances and paid a high price for every single person in the world. Like that's when judgment and that's when revenge comes. We've got to be willing to wait, willing to process those things. 
So be careful if you've been hurt, because I'm definitely not justifying the hurt, but at the same time, just where Jesus meets us. When Jesus tries to show us who he is, he doesn't show us his crown. Shows us his wounds. How do I know you are who you are? But in his woundedness, he would look at your wounds and say, your wounds become my wounds, and my wounds become your wounds. He doesn't meet us in the place where all is made right. He meets us in the place where he says, yeah, I've been there too. I've been there too. So you got to let it go. You can't hold in the anger. You can't allow the anger to control you because if you're doing that, then God's no longer your God. You've just deputized anger to be the guiding light in your life. You've just deputized justice to be the guiding light. You've deputized lust to be the guiding force in your life. You've deputized all these other things. And God's like, no, I'm trying to make you a citizen of my kingdom. I want you to be in my kingdom with me. There's a... There was a young girl, I'm just going to tell you this story. There was a, a young girl uh, in our youth group back home, and you talk about difficult. Uh, you ever met anybody that's overly critical? And you're like, is it your job? to test my Christianity? <laughs> like, are you the sandpaper God's using to rub off my rough edges here? Because I'm really over that. And it's so crazy because the critical spirit is like, it's almost like a cloud. And I've seen men of God, when the right person comes to the door, men of God run and go, hey, you got that. That's why it's fun being the pastor because I can go, hey, you guys, you got that. <laughs> Your turn. No, um, just kidding. And it's crazy because it, when a certain spirit rests on somebody, it almost attracts the gloom and doom and despair. And then it compounds and it becomes a life of its own to where it's an atmosphere that's brought everywhere it goes. It's why Elijah can call down fire <laughs> and God actually send fire from heaven but a certain person get mad at him and he's running for his life and he's afraid. Because those spirits want to control and manipulate everybody else and can't stand the sight of joy or freedom. And I'm telling you, this little girl would come in One of them knocks on the door and you're like, 
Not here. Oh, rats. I said something. <laughs> and one day we had this youth revival service. And of course, they were there. Isn't that funny how that spirit shows up to the most joyous occasions? And sit in the back, arms crossed, kind of like, I dare you, somebody to make me love the Lord. I dare you. So we're in a sanctuary that would seat probably about 800, and we were like in the first four rows. There was four sections, not three, and we were about the first four or five rows, all youth students, and God's moving big time. One person sitting in the back said, man, mm. I said, I ain't going back there. I'm staying down here where the good stuff is. And so I didn't. I didn't go back there. And I got up and walked down the aisle, and to my surprise, this person has fallen over in the back row and is weeping and shaking uncontrollably. I go, thank you, Jesus. <sighs> I don't even know if it was godly. I think it might have just been the flesh just saying, yes, relief. And so we prayed and we lingered and wept and I mean fought hell all night long and she got up with the joy of the Lord on her face and I was just like she's like I gotta tell you what's kept me down when she was in 6th grade her dad had a friend over, and they both got drunk. And her dad passed out. And his friend went in there and took advantage of her. And she screamed for her dad all night, and he was too passed out to help. I said, that's where that's coming from. you might judge the attitude but you don't know the level of hell somebody's been through and if you can't maintain a humble heart you don't have to put up with it but you better understand before you disagree and she shared that and we called the authorities and the right processes took place and guess what that guy was questioned and that had happened to him as a kid. And it had happened to his dad when he was a kid. There's no black and whites in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of guilty people who need the forgiveness of God to come down and wipe them. she got healed and forgiven 
And you know what? She went to Bible college and then went to China and taught English as a second language as an undercover missionary. I got story, story after story like that. But it only comes when we step into that place of forgiveness to where I hand over the right to get even and I surrender that to the Lord. I say, okay, God, it's yours. Vengeance is yours. You'll do what's right in the appropriate time. And I give it to you. Because I can't allow the hurt to leave me and be my God. Because it will end up killing me. Because that's what the demonic realm wants to do. It wants to kill you. It wants to squeeze every drop of joy out of your life. And destroy you. So you can't play games with it. You've got to get a hold of those red letters, and you've got to say, I don't care how I feel about it. God, wrap my head around this and let me step into this because I don't want to miss out on your good plan. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you, God, for forgiveness. But not before we forgive everybody else that we need to forgive. God, you paid so much for us. You paid so much. Forgive us. dare we define our identity by what somebody did to us. Our worth is for what was paid for us. That was the blood of your son, Jesus. somebody you need to forgive, I want you just to stand up right now. Stand up right where you're at. It's a key to freedom. And forgiveness is not a feeling. Don't think you're going to be waiting to feel good about this. This is a process. And if you got to forgive every day, you forgive every single day. <laughs> you forgive until your forgiver starts working. <laughs> you say it till you believe it. that are standing I want you to come down here let's just make a line across the front here 
Thanks for tuning in. Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs. Thank you.